Passion, analysis, hot takes. Welcome to Political Football. And now, your hosts, Cleve, Dave, and Matias. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Political Football. Uh, it is a banner week. Why? Because this is the second week in a row that we have had all three of us, and I can't remember the last time that that happened. So, uh, <laughs> gentlemen, welcome back. Yo! Hey, what's going on? I'm really, I'm really looking forward to making this three weeks in a row next week. That shouldn't be a problem, right, Matt? Uh, it will be a problem because I will be drinking an obscene amount of Bud Light Lime while sitting on a beach in South Carolina, not thinking at all about the NFL season until I get back. But I'm sure the two of you can uh, absolutely make it happen, and uh, it will be banging content as always. So, fellas, uh, we have a lot to get into this week, so I just want to get us kind of in the mood a little bit. We're going to be making a lot of predictions. We're going to be overreacting to just about everything between now and September 9th when the Bucks uh, take the field against the Dallas Cowboys. So I wanted to play a little bit of a clip. Everybody should know this. If you don't, you will be familiar with it. That's going to kind of get us in the mood when we start making these picks. Wait, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bullshit? Bullshit. We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. So for those of you who are not familiar, that is the late Dennis Green uh, when he was coach, I believe, of the Arizona Cardinals. They played the Rex Grossman-led Bears sometime, I think it was like week six or week seven or something, uh, and lost, I believe, in the fourth quarter. And that Bears team, I believe, is the one that went to the Super Bowl with Sexy Rexy. But um, that is one of the best overreactions to an already overreaction that we ever had. So I thought it would get us in the mood. Yeah, I know. That's, uh, that's, that's absolutely perfect. That is, uh, that's going to happen a lot midway through the season when Kadarius Tony has 14 touchdowns or something. I'll be screaming <laughs> like Denny Green. Exactly. And I figured, uh, you know, before we, we get into the, the, the stuff there, it would get us in the mood. So, Dave, you wanted to get to some quarterback talk, some quarterback overreactions for the preseason before we get into this new segment that we're going to be having between now and September 9th. So why don't you get us into it? Yeah, so uh, the rookie quarterbacks have looked amazing here in their first preseason games at least the ones that we thought would be amazing uh turns out they are who we thought they were so first is trey lance who the rookie quarterback for the 49ers who just steps onto the field and promptly throws a play action 80 yard bomb touchdown just dead on the money to this guy running in stride you know what that sort of like answers the question right we knew he was huge and he could run you know had that sort of like cam newton running ability but we didn't know if he could throw it or whatever and here it comes in first play just ropes it right to this dude on underdog his adp his average draft position jumped four rounds overnight as everybody's thinking oh my god he could be the day one starter jimmy g should be looking for real estate and other places then we have justin fields for the Bears, on the Bears offense, couldn't do anything to start the game. They got like one first down in the first half. Then Justin Fields comes in, goes 14 of 20 for 165 yards and two touchdowns. Look, makes it look smooth and effortless, just like he did at Ohio State. Like, defenders couldn't touch him. He was seeing everything. And I am just, man, I really hope this lineman the Lions took was good. So I have a question about Trey Lance because he had the 80-yard touchdown. Uh, the rest of his stat line was uh, leaving a little bit to be desired if you're looking at it just straight up stats. I think after that, if you take that play out, I think he was, what, 4 of 12 uh, for like 60-something yards, and I believe he got sacked four times. Uh, no rushing attempts, but that was by design, so that's not something that you take away from him. But do you make anything of everything other than that 80-yard uh, touchdown, which was obviously electric, and that's what you drafted him for? Uh, do you just count that to growing pains? Yeah, so the thing about the preseason or training camp or even the first, you know, few games of a player's career is that you're looking to either see what they can do, uh, what they're capable of, and see if they can answer questions that have been asked of them. So, like, it's not shocking that a quarterback in his first preseason game would go four of 12 with four sacks or whatever. That's that's okay. I mean, Peyton Manning in the league in interceptions this first year. You know, that's okay. The, the question is, though, is this even possible for this person to do, right? So, like, has Daniel Jones ever done a play-action rollout, 80-yard touchdown pass, hitting the guy directly in stride? You know, th the thing is, we now know that like, Trey Lance can do this, 
and now he's going to work towards being the, having this be the more consistent thing he can do rather than the four of 12 part. So that's why that is the part to focus on. It's like the extremes, right? If you had thrown four interceptions, that would also be something to focus on, right? The average struggle is, doesn't really matter in the preseason. It's about showing your ceiling. See, I, I take the opposite the opposite take on, on guys in the preseason. And this is pretty much probably every position that we see because <clears throat> we're seeing guys going up against the second squad and sometimes third squad and sometimes guys you would never see again uh, on an NFL field for the most part. Um, you made a comment about Jimmy G should be packing his back because the guy threw an 80-yard rope. Uh, Jimmy G went to a Super Bowl regardless. I mean, the guy, the guy, love him or hate him, the guy's been in the league for a long time. He's been in New England. He, he learned under the great Tom Brady, Josh McDaniel, Bill Belichick. I don't think this kid coming out of Ohio State is ready to be crowned yet, like Denny Denny uh, eloquently put it. So I don't I don't get excited about these guys in the preseason at all because we'll see week one if if they're in, or week two, or week three, or week four, what they're going to do. Even even the, the the great crown prince right now in Jack in, in in Jacksonville, we'll see we'll see week one uh, if Urban names him the starter. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Tim Tebow there for a second because uh, he's gone. Yeah, that I mean, did we really think the three of us really think that this guy deserves another chance? Tim Tebow has had a lot of chances in the NFL, and his game never really translated. He he had his shine. He he pretty much did everything that he possibly could to to stay in the league. But um, yeah, I'm glad that Pony Show uh, is over. So Dave, rebuttal. Yeah. So the the point of the how to put this because the preseason doesn't matter you're only looking for outlier examples of possible performance going forward. To throw an accurate play-action rollout bomb 50 yards downfield to a wide-open receiver, you know, it doesn't really matter why the receiver is open. His receiver is probably fourth string as well. Like, the point is, is that he didn't miss the throw, right? That's what separates him from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, because you might remember Jimmy G missed one very important throw and so now the 49ers have traded up for Trey Lance. And we just saw Trey Lance win the last Super Bowl that Jimmy G screwed up. So it's it's not that because he made this great play in the preseason that he's going to the Hall of Fame or that he's even going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo when aggregate when all things are said and done. It's that we it's our first time being able to see him do at the NFL level the things he needs to do in order to start to reach the ceiling. Right. We've never seen Jared Goff do this. But we've now seen Trey Lance do this, and that's why that's why it's exciting. You know, uh, for Justin Fields, it was, is he professional? Can he command the team or whatever? The team struggles, gets one first down in the first half, then he comes in the game and he's moving the team, right? It's about seeing them answer the questions and seeing what their ceiling can be, not about, like, uh, how, how great they are in total, right? It's the preseason. That's why you can't take too much of it. Uh, you can't overreact too much to it. Point taken. Uh, the other thing is that the only other thing is when I talk about the, the quarterback, uh, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence didn't look super great, but this is where I think people tend to overreact to the to the preseason, right? Because it's easy to get super hyped for big plays and good performances, but people love to come down on people for playing poorly. I saw the New York media all over Zach Wilson already calling him a bust, all this sort of stuff, and it's just it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean. Cleve did this with Tua, like when Tua was in seventh grade. But generally speaking, you don't want to be coming down on these guys because they haven't flashed quite yet. That's what makes it so exciting when they do flash, like Lance and Fields did. So I've got nothing negative to say about the other the other rookie quarterbacks that we saw, but I'm very excited about Fields and Lance. Tua, Tua hasn't he hasn't let me down yet. He's proving everything that I said about him, and I'm gonna take liberties at him the entire season. So. Just be prepared that you'll, I'll be on tour watch. The thing about uh, what you're saying, and, and I agree with the overreaction stuff, it's it's kind of now I'm going to take the, take your side on, on the other side of the coin, is that we're trying to see, regardless of um, who's out there to play, um, these guys are all vying for a job, which means they're putting out their best stuff because they're trying to get noticed, they're trying to get seen. So, you know, whether they're a one or a two or three or whatever, they're out there trying to get it. And you're right, you know, we didn't see Jared Goff do that. We didn't see this do that. You know, one year, my Jets went 4-0 in the preseason and took a gigantic shit in the season, you know? So I, I, this is why I don't get excited because again, we we see draft picks, 
you're like, really, we drafted this guy and it didn't didn't pan out. So um, with Trevor Lawrence and, and those guys, I'm not too, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to beat them up either. Uh, I knew Zach. I think you said this, Dave, during the during the draft that we did on Twitch, that we'll see if he can if he can mentally survive New York. You know, if if he can if he can get himself out of his own head because he's coming he's coming from he's coming into a big a big market, and when you don't play well, they will let you know in New York. They will let you know Madison Avenue. There won't be any deals, and they're like, okay, we got the Giants in town, which again now we're probably even with them without the you know. We'll, we'll say Quan is back, but we're probably even with them as we as we're ever going to be for right now. But um, I, I do I do agree with you on certain things. But again, the preseason is the preseason. We'll see week one. Do you want it? Do you want to hear an amazing stat, Cleve? You know, you mentioned the Jets going four and zero and they're taking a dump during the season. Yeah, the two thousand and eight zero and sixteen Detroit Lions went four and zero in the preseason. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, so. <laughs> So yeah, just, it's it's no happy ending. <laughs> just so you two are aware, I scoured the internet to try to find a freezing cold take about that Lions team before the season actually started, and I couldn't find anything. So I settled for Denny Green. But I just want to summarize what Cleve's takes are going to be the whole season as it relates to all these quarterbacks. So Dave, right now, it's do it in the regular season. When we get to about week twelve, it'll be do it in the playoffs. And if one of them makes the playoffs, it'll be well then win a Super Bowl. So we'll go. Yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> so anybody who's never listened to the show, now you know how Cleve's mind is working through the rest of the season. So if you watch a bad game by Tua, do it in the regular season applies. If he starts looking good, do it in the playoffs will apply. And if God forbid the Dolphins make the Super Bowl, it'll be do it in the Super Bowl. I want to say this. If Tom Brady fans are listening and Buck fans are listening, for Tom Brady's final boss test, either either get drafted, to, I mean, I'm sorry, traded to the Lions or the Jets and take us to a Super Bowl. That's when you're going to solidify your legacy, buddy. <laughs> oh, there you go. I like it. Yeah, just take a dump on the all-time greats. Like, do it Do it for a bad team, something like that. I'm, I'm all in for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's just, it made me think about it because I was like, I, I now watch these preseason games and think, what would Cleve be thinking? And I just summarized it that way. And I feel like that's the, the best way to watch it. Because I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this guy's a bum. I don't even know who he is, but he's a bum. He'll never make it in the league. He sucks. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, Dave, anything else before we get on to our newest segment of the program? I just want to make this point about the running backs and where they're drafted and all that and why you don't want to take a running back in the first round like I made during draft season. So fifth round Patriots pick Ramondre Stevenson uh, was a fifth round pick because he got in trouble in Oklahoma and had to compete with Trey Sermon and all this other stuff. And they're talking like, so whatever, whatever, whatever. Then he comes out in the first preseason, like his first touch goes for a 91 yard touchdown running away from everybody and it's like you can get running backs all over the place like he might be in the cfl in four years but for the next two he's going to be legarrett blunt so mm. there's no need to be taking these running backs early when you can get guys who can rip off 91 yarders in the fifth round so that's the only other thing i noted from the from the preseason other than that i'm ready to go do it in the regular season. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> gentlemen, so we're going to debut a new segment that we're going to be doing from now until the start of the season. And for for something so great that I think we're going to really nail. And when I say nail, I mean it's going to be a nailed it moment at the end of the season when all of us are wrong. But for the listeners, we wanted to do a NFL preview, so to speak. And we want to break it down by division. But I thought, how could we just roll right into it and say, okay, let's get into it without some semblance of imaging. So, fellas, I came, I came up with this. And takes a shot at all three of us, but I think it'll work for the segment going forward. So I'm going to debut to you the political football divisional preview imaging. Predictions. Where a buck can be a fraud, Tua can be a bust, and the AFC South can be worthless. This is political football's divisional preview. I like it. I like all right. It. So I believe we are going to be starting in the north. And that's not some type of a Game of Thrones reference. We are going to be starting, I believe, in the AFC North. Is that correct, Dave? Oh, we can start the AFC North. That is perfectly fine with me. All right, let's get to it. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to do these teams in the order I have them predicted to finish from bottom to top. So feel free after I get through with some of this to say if you agree with this finishing position, all sorts of stuff like that. But this way it's easy to go back and check that when I say the Bengals are going to finish last in the AFC North and they win the Super Bowl, it'll be easy to pull and clip. So we are going to start with the Cincinnati Bengals, who I have finishing last in the AFC North. 
No, last year they went four, eleven, and one. Uh, that awful tie with the Eagles, and then their win total to open their opening win total bet on DraftKings was six and a half this year. Remember, we're playing seventeen games, so six and a half win total, which is pretty good. Couple things to note is that uh, Joe Burrow should be back from his injury by the time the regular season starts. He hasn't played yet. In the NFL draft, they took Jamar Chase at number five over Panay Sewell. Jamar Chase, Blitnikoff Award winner 2019, sits out 2020, played at LSU with Joe Burrow on their crazy national championship team, and outproduced Justin Jefferson on that team, who went on to be Offensive Rookie of the Year for the uh, for the Vikings last year. So the Bengals have uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, who was the first pick of the second round last year, who really came on, and Tyler Boyd at wide receiver. And they, they probably have one of the top three wide receiver rooms now in the entire NFL. So they are going to suck, but they're going to be very exciting, and they're going to be very good for fantasy because they're going to throw the ball a, a billion times. The offensive line went from bottom two in the league to bottom 10, according to Pat Thorman of Established the Run, who does their offensive line rankings. I do not do offensive line rankings, so I'm just going to assume that what he said was accurate. And uh, finally, that... I think that the Bengals this year, I think their record is going to be similar, but the team is going to be a lot better. Like, we'll look at them and we'll be like, oh, this team is a lot better than last year, but they still only have five wins. Yeah. When I did my write-ups, I had them in last place. The only thing that I would say that is in, uh, a question for me is Joe Burrow's headspace. And we got into that last week a little bit. So I think physically, you know, he will be back. And what we don't know, and I think it's a little bit dissimilar from Dak, the way we discussed last week, is whether he will be uh, in the right headspace in order to be better than he was last year. Because to be fair, that team was five-win team mainly because he played so well. Uh, and, you know, right, like as a first-round pick, like he, he was what we thought he was for the most part. But that would be my only concern. I don't think it changes whether they're, again, five wins or three wins. It doesn't really matter. They're going to finish in last place. I could see that. I could see uh, Dave's breakdown was pretty accurate and then uh, coming off the injury that's gonna that's gonna say a lot of you know how how he responds to um to live football again so the other thing that we didn't mention about the Bengals is uh for like the 19th straight year they're talking about making joe mixon a workhorse running back um <laughs> and we haven't actually seen him be able to do that if he if he is actually like playing 75 percent of the snaps playing all the third downs getting all the goal line work he would actually be a very, very strong fantasy player, but I just don't believe it. Like it just, it never happens. He's always good, but he always gets hurt. He never just has this like dominant backfield role. So official fantasy advice is to be a little bit wary of Joe Mixon, <laughs> while knowing that he could end up just smashing if they actually are telling the truth this year for the first time in two decades. Did they get rid of G um, Bernard? Yeah, he's on the Bucks. He's the new James White for Brady. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, get that. Gonna get that ring, baby. Uh, <laughs> one thing to note about the AFC North too. Um, I know strength of schedule in the NFL is a little bit different because they're looking at past performance to try and, you know, sort of give a contextual uh, sense to the, the schedule this year. And so you have to take that with a grain of salt because you don't know how teams are going to perform this year. But looking at last year's record, um, all four teams in the AFC North have a top ten uh, strength of schedule as it relates to like the hardest schedules and the Bengals were number five. So, you know, you get you to your point, Dave, they're going to be better, but their schedule is going to be tough still. Cause that division in and of itself is very tough. Yes. And so that's actually a great transition to the team that will finish in third place. And that in my opinion has a better chance of finishing dead last than winning this division. And that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> part of the reason that coming into the season, these teams all have a tough, strength of schedule is that it's based off of last year and the Steelers were 12 and four last year. However, their win total for this season is eight and a half. So they're expected to take a big step back in the first place. And I'm right in line with that. And my first note I have here is that the bottom could completely fall out on Pittsburgh this year. We could be looking at Pittsburgh picking in the top five, of the draft next year uh, with like not even the absolute worst case outcomes like bottom 30% outcomes for them are just absolutely atrocious. So the first thing is that Roethlisberger is super old, obviously. Uh, he was born in 1983, so that's the mark for being super old. And that he's coming off of an injury, and he very well could just be absolutely toast. Like he could just be 100% washed, unable to play, worse than Mason Rudolph. 
even if he is <laughs> able to play, right, even if he is able to play, he may not even be be that great. Then you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who resigns for a one-year, eight million dollar deal, doesn't sign a long-term deal to stay in town. But the biggest mistake that they made is that in the first round they drafted Najee Harris at running back, which didn't do anything to improve their team. It improved their talent at running back, but it didn't improve their team. And that is part of the reason why I think that they are going to uh, finish third this year. They could collapse all the way down. And I'm saying that in 2022, this team will finish last in this division. They, I mean, they had to, They, I mean, and you could agree or disagree or let me know if I'm out of bounds here. Their, their running game was so atrocious by that running back by committee last year. Every one of those running backs were, were, were just hot garbage. And Pittsburgh is known for their running game. Like so, drafting this guy, I know that you you're not hiring running backs coming out uh, in 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 the early rounds. Um, but they had to have make make a move. There was no free agents that they could have brought in, so they had to take a shot at, at getting a good back. But the but you don't improve your running game by having a good running back. That's why teams without good running backs go in the Super Bowl all the time. Right, you improve the running game by improving the offensive line, improving the offense in general. So if you have a quarterback with a dead arm, a wide receiver that doesn't want to be there, and he didn't improve the offensive line at all, like I said, if when, I, when they made this draft pick, if you put Christian McCaffrey on the Steelers right now, I'm still picking them to finish third. Right, wow. it's not about it's not about the talent at the running back position. It's that this isn't a, a player take on Najee Harris. It's a structural take on the development of the team, and adding him it doesn't make them better. Well, usually right. adding a adding a running game point taken adding a running game or shorting up the running game it tells you that you don't you want your quarterback to either go 50 50 meaning like the snap you know the snaps and the plays that he's not gonna have to throw a lot because uh, we we all agree that ben's not gonna be flinging it 40 times 50 times a game that's not gonna happen his arm ain't gonna hold up for that we do not all agree to that they may end up having <laughs> to do that because they're gonna be losing a lot yeah. So we, we we and also they still can't run the ball because they didn't actually do anything to improve the running game. They just added a talented running back, which mm -hmm. is not which is not which isn't actually how you improve the running. I mean, it's an important part. Like, don't get me wrong. Najee Harris is a fine player. I again almost went to Michigan, but tracked him since he was a junior in high school. Like, I have nothing bad to say about Najee Harris as a football player. He does not make this team better. And as we're going to see with the next two teams, the other two teams got way better in the offseason. So. Yeah. That's, that's where the Steelers are in trouble. So here's the thing too, Cleve, like the Steelers had a choice to make this off season with Ben, right? They know Ben is at the end of his rope and they are going all in on the concept that they are the 10 and 0 team and not the team that finished one and five. And I think the team that finished one and five is more likely the team that was last year. I think they well overplayed their hand in the first 10 games of the season and their schedule is harder this year. I think they have the first or second hardest schedule coming into the season. Uh, they're playing in a division in which you could generously say that they could split with all three teams, but I would not be surprised if they got swept by the Browns, swept by the Ravens, and split with the Bengals. So if you're looking at that, they're one in five right there just in their division. And then there's a whole bunch of games that I looked at in which you could consider them a quote-unquote toss-up, but I could totally see them losing. Seahawks, Chargers, uh, Vikings, Titans right? Bears, who knows, right? We don't really know about the Bears. If Justin Fields plays and he's great, that could be a t different story. And the Raiders, right? So there's all these teams that are on there that you think, I could see them beating them, but they could also go the other way. And if they go the other way, to Dave's point, the bottom completely falls out. But the problem that the Steelers have is they have no plan for next year because they already know Mason Rudolph's not the guy. They already know Doug Hodges isn't the guy. And they may or may not be bad enough to finish in a place to get a quarterback, right? They may not. Like if they finish nine and eight, that does nothing for them next year. Nothing for them next year. So they're not only in trouble potentially this year, but they have no future either. At least some of these other teams have had, they have a backup plan, but they're thinking Ben is like 32 or 33, not 39. Good point. The Steelers should, as soon as Trey Lance comes in for the 49ers and does it in the regular season to appease Cleve, the Steelers should immediately trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because that would be the cheapest he ever is. And they should trade for him right then, not for this year if Ben's fine, but they need to have somebody on that roster for next year who can at least like mm -hmm. do something. So, but I don't know that they're even, I don't even know if they think like that. Like to me, they just like, we need a running game. So we'll go get this running back who, in my opinion, probably wasn't even the best running back prospect. I mean, he's fine. I, I, like, I like Najee Harris, but this, this team did not get better and they're going to be in trouble. And the reason for that is that the other two teams got a lot better. 
the, the team I have finishing in second place in this division, I actually think could easily finish in first. And this team is a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. And that is the Cleveland Browns. They are the real deal this year. So last year, they go 11 and five. They play that crazy playoff game with the Steelers. And then they almost got the Chiefs. Remember, we needed that Chad Henney third and 13. And then the fourth of one just balls call from Andy Reid on the play action to get by him. I mean, they were they were really close last year. Um, and that was without Odell Beckham. He's 100% healthy because he got hurt so early. So they're just adding Odell Beckham back. And even if he's only 75% as great as he once was, that's really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I actually think that Nick Chubb is the best pure runner in the NFL. If somebody wants to argue that it's Derrick Henry, I'm not going to argue that hard. But I think as just as a pure running back, Nick Chubb is the best runner in the NFL. And then Kareem Hunt is the backup. So they have this incredible backfield. They get Odell Beckham back. Baker's just getting better. But I think a critical development, because we don't focus on defense a lot, but Miles Garrett is just now entering his prime. He is yeah. just about to reach his peak, and he has the ability to break Strahan's sack record, especially with an extra game. Like if mm -hmm. Miles Garrett gets 25 sacks this year, I will not be surprised. Yeah. So Cleveland is is it. Yeah. Looking at their I schedule, agree. Dave, I, I only had one game pinned as a potential outright loss, and that was to the Chiefs. Every other game is either a winnable game or a complete toss up. And I kind of felt that it was in the favor of the Browns. And I agree with you. When I was going through my notes, I was like, Ravens or Browns? It could be either one of them. So I almost had them as like 1A, 1B. If one of them finished over the other, I would not be surprised. But thing about the Browns from a like, uh, t you know, intangible standpoint, Cleve, too, is they figured it out last year first year head coach they knew what their strengths were and they did everything they could to play to those strengths and yes they were like one or two plays away from possibly beating the chiefs and who knows after that baker's another year in another year confident right the offense is very good and the coaching staff is also very confident mm -hmm. so they should have a lot of confidence coming in and their stiffest competition is going to be in the division and if they can survive that schedule and go like four and two i think the rest of the schedule even though it's considered like one of the top 10 you know hardest I think it's going to be very favorable to them because they play the Patriots. We don't know what the Patriots are going to be. They play teams like the Broncos. They play teams like uh, the you know the Raiders, right? So like we don't know. These are all teams that they should be beating. So I I see them having a potential high ceiling if all those things come into place and they play with the moxie and what they figured out last year. I I agree. And to to I guess with you guys, I I have them number one because of mm. what you guys said about them and the reason being is uh, i'll wait till dave does his um to the number one is but um i'm convinced and uh, matt and i talked offline about this actually today as well uh about an hour ago um i'm convinced that you know i took shots at baker when i probably shouldn't have because i think dave had pointed out the peril that he was in when he got sent to that team he got drafted to a team that was complete shit. the coaching staff the gm everything was, and then he had turnover of a turnover as far as staff and new people in and new people out i'm like you can't expect someone to come into that situation and and shine and something clicked last year and you're right dave they were they were lights out they almost like beat the yeah they almost beat the we were on the edge of our seats if i remember like holy shit are you watching this game we were texting each other um so yeah i i had them as number one i want to hear dave's arguments for the number one and then i'll 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 see if i can agree with that or or not before we get into that dave what would what do you think would have happened in the Super Bowl if the Browns made it instead of the Chiefs against that Bucks team? Because we saw yeah. what happened with the Chiefs. Their offensive line was so bad that they couldn't protect Mahomes. Would the Browns have fallen into that same trap because they had a better running game, right? Their their game was a lot different. It, they were built a lot differently. Do you think that that game would have been closer even if the outcome wouldn't have changed? Oh man, I'm about to get in a lot of trouble. I think if, I think I think if the Bucks play the Chiefs best of seven, the Chiefs win in six or seven. Um, so I don't think that the better team won the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? But like, it's a one game thing. So like, of course the Bucks won, they deserve to win. I think that the Browns last year could have beaten the Bucks in the Super Bowl, but I don't I think if they played, I don't think if they played seven, I think the Bucks win in like seven. And it's because generally in the biggest games, I'm going to back the best player on the field and the best player on the field between the Bucks and the Browns would be Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom, I agree with that, Dave. Tom is the the outlier there because 
if it's anybody else, I give them, I'll give it, you know, I'll give it a 50-50. But with Tom on there, you got to give him a higher percentage than 50-50 to win that, to win that game. Yeah, but it, it would have been, it would have been a good game, which I think oh, is yeah, the more, it it's the more great game. Point. Yeah, great. it would have been a great like, game. Oh, the Browns could have made the Super Bowl last year and they would have been fine. They would have hung in. They wouldn't have gotten killed or whatever. I mean, that's, that says a lot about where they're, where they're at for, for this season. I think um, the other thing, I think Dave, I think the other thing about the Browns too, sorry, is that last year good. they were still managing the larger expectations about the talent that they had, right? The year before was disappointing. And then last year they come in with even higher expectations and they actually lived up to them. So like they're past all those narratives now you'd like to think. So it's like they should just go out there and ball instead of having to worry about all this other stuff that comes with the Cleveland narrative. You know, the Browns are, you know, Browns are terrible and all this other stuff. And I think a lot of those intangibles, coupled with all the improvements on the field, really speaks to the fact that they could be a dominant force because the AFC doesn't have a team that just, you know, you say to yourself, that's the obvious great team. I think there's a few great teams that could you know, be vying for that prize this year. Was two years ago the Freddie, Kitch Freddie Kitchens era? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. You see, you can't even like give, you can't give the team, like that year was like fucked up for them. Like. Freddie Kitchens was so bad with that that those game plans and the, mm -hmm. some of the calls. Like he did that team no no favors, you know. He, he was, but they were there was still an expectation that they were going to be better than they were, and they played worse than I think what some thought. Um, you know, you get rid of Freddie Kitchens, that was a mistake, and then all of a sudden now you got a new coach in there who had questions coming in, and again they put some things together. So I'm just saying that like, you know. The, there was a lot of excitement. How about that around the Browns? And they didn't live up yeah. to it the first year. A lot of excitement last year. They actually did live up to it. And this year they can even take a step further. Okay. Drum roll, Dave. Let's yes. get it. And so that means by process of elimination, the first place team I have in the AFC North is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, the Ravens are a fantastic team. They always are. They always do a great job. Last year they went 11 and 5. Their win total this year is 11. So. Uh, and when the lines open, they're expected to be a game and a half better than the Browns. I don't see that. I think they're actually going to finish very close to each other. This division is going to come down to their head-to-head -head matchups. But the Ravens are tricky because they're so unique. They're like Tennessee. They have a specific style that's unique to them, but they're very good at it. And my argument for the Ravens this year is that the Ravens in 2020 were the Browns in 2019. They were underperforming their expectations they were sort of disappointing and they're going to be able to snap back to what we expect them to be and the reason for that is that they made huge improvements at the wide receiver core you know we like to give Lamar a, a lot of um, bust because he's not good at throwing the ball the truth is he's perfectly fine at throwing the ball but he was throwing two dust balls right so he had Hollywood Brown who was hurt for the first half of the year and Mark Andrews as his primary wide receivers. His other leading wide receivers after that were Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts. Now they replace those two with Rashad Bateman, first round wide receiver, who I think is the truth. Now he's got a hamstring injury. He's gonna miss the first four weeks, but he's he's an amazing receiver out of Minnesota. And Sammy Watkins. And now Sammy Watkins should not have been the fourth overall pick in the NFL draft, but he's a lot better than Seth Roberts. So you improve, you improve his, uh, his, passing weapons to help him in the passing game and the thing is Lamar is highly variant like at the end of the season he could throw for 4,000 yards and run for 1,500 and we'd be like well we could have seen that coming that was in his that was in his trajectory or he could throw for 2,300 run for 800 and they finish like 6 and 11 and we'd be like well you know he struggles throwing the ball sometimes like he can be all over the place and when you have these situations where somebody could be really great and like really poor season to season. I always like to predict towards the greatness because I think that when it's just up to just them, that is the outcome they can reach more easily, right? It's injuries around them that bring them down to poor receivers. I think Lamar is fantastic. I think that the MVP is in his range of outcomes every single season. And I like the Ravens this year. I definitely stand on Browns being number one. And, and this is going to sound trivial, but um Lamar fighting off COVID twice. We, we gotta see how he um how he looks. Um, you know, I know it's 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 you know it's something like that. But um I think the well how, how the Browns are set up, and then I think Matt alluded to, you know, the backfield, or Dave might alluded to the backfield. Like the backfield is great. Defense is the defense. Um they got their other receiver back, 
which you know he may may make a difference but uh i believe the upside for me at least is the browns um and again it's going on the currency of last season how they looked against uh uh in that crazy steelers game and then also against the uh the chiefs because of the sample side now again i'm not i'm not shitting on an on 11 and 5 team i'm not saying that i'm not i i i totally agree with that you know, Baltimore's always put something good on the field, but I just think the Browns has the upside in this particular thing. And again, you guys can roll tape at some point in the season and be like, hey, look how wrong you were. No, no, <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do that about two. Uh, I almost took Cleveland <laughs> to win this. <laughs> I, I almost took Cleveland to win this division. So I am, uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. This was, this was a very close, this was a very tight one, but ultimately I think Lamar is the best player between the two teams. And that's really what separated it for me, but it was very close. So I think the thing about the Ravens too, and I'm all about intangibles today apparently, but they have a very experienced coaching staff and specifically John Harbaugh has been known to be able to make these kinds of adjustments. They did it the first year that they had Lamar, they didn't really know what to do with him offensively. And then his MVP season, they made a lot of changes in how they were, you know, executing their offense and they played to their strengths, right? They built the team around that. They did the same thing last year, but they didn't play quite up to expectation. So I have no doubt that John Harbaugh is going to take what he saw last year and try to make some adjustments and improve on this team. So I think it is a toss up, but I do think that both the Browns and Ravens should be better than they were last year, which spells trouble for teams like the Steelers in this division, just the way that I see it anyway. Yeah, and I think an important point too is that, you know, we're talking about how the Ravens didn't play expectations last year and they had it down here and they went 11 and five. That just shows what we actually think about this team. Like, oh, you won 11 yeah. games, you had a down year. Like if the Lions or the Jets won 11 games, Cleaver, I wouldn't wear pants for a full season. Like, <laughs> you know, so that's what I mean. Like the Ravens, we know the Ravens are great. We're, th- we're calling 11 wins a down season. Yeah, and there was that bullshit narrative last year, I think in the Titans game, where it's like, uh, can, Lam- can Lamar Jackson do it in, in the playoffs? And I'm like, he had like one game. Like, you don't right. make a narrative off one fucking game. Like, maybe give him three games, four games, five games. Like, it just, I thought it was really stupid. So, I, to your point, we are overly critical of this team, and they were an 11 win team, which most of us would have taken 11 wins last year easily. Yes, absolutely. So, Dave and I have the same exact finish uh, for the, for this division. We probably differ a little bit in, in win-loss record, but overall, I, I see it the same way as you, Dave. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns uh, finish first, but I would be wholly surprised if the Steelers finish first. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to go on tape and say, the Pittsburgh Steelers will not make the playoffs in 2021. There you go. Yeah, co-signed. There we go. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'd I'm with stamp that. that too. That is signed, Stamped. sealed, and delivered <laughs> by political fucking football. So let's move on to the next division. <laughs> Okay, so now we're talking about the North, and we're going from the bottom up, which means it is time to talk about the Detroit Lions. Lord help me. (laughs) Um, So the NFC North, the Detroit Lions, will finish in last place. And honestly, they had better, and we'll get to that. So the Lions last year went 5-11. and Their win total this year is 5 so that's great. You get an extra game to play, and they say you're not going to improve at all. That's really good year to year. That's how you do it, guys. Um, they brought in a new head coach, Dan Campbell, famous for the biting kneecaps and anything, you know, like that. All this, he wanted the live tiger or live lion mascot or something. So the thing about Dan Campbell is that I actually do appreciate the fact that he is authentically a meathead idiot. Like, I don't think he's pretending. I think this is actually his personality. The problem is that he's still a meathead idiot. So I'm just waiting three years to get a new coach. Um, The big thing this offseason was the trade with the Rams. We send Matt Stafford to the Rams. In return, we get Jared Goff and a couple first-round draft picks. Perfectly fine deal for the Lions to make. This is a team not looking to win this year. So adding Jared Goff is fine. Getting a couple first-round picks for it is all good. Couple added players here. We had Panay Sewell, who we took at seventh overall, the first offensive lineman off the board, who had better be better than Justin Fields, or this podcast is going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to be so mad. I already know it. I already know it. I'm going to be so mad about this. Didn't um, he catch COVID right after getting drafted too? Yeah. Yes, he did. Um, Hot but start. at least he, but at least, but at least he can catch something. Cleve, real quick, who are the Lions' two starting wide receivers? Oh uh, well, you guys got you guys got rid of Galladay, right? Yes. So I have no, I have no, I have nothing. We we also lost Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola. 
Oh, we brought wow. in we brought in Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. Okay, I know Perriman. Ty- okay, the first guy. I don't know who the first guy is. <laughs> so Tyrell played for the Chargers for a while. Then he went to the Raiders. He got he tore up his knee right before the season last year. Oh, okay. He, uh, number sixteen for the Chargers a couple years ago. You might remember. Okay. Okay. Um, anyways, that's that's the point. So they drafted Amon Ross St. Brown, which by the way, his name is Amon Ross St. Brown. Um uh as a slot receiver he's he, he's gonna be okay he could lead them at targets actually he could be great this year like from a statistical point of view and then deandre swift and tj hawkinson are gonna be their two best offensive players so they could actually have good consistent fantasy seasons so even though the lions are terrible because they both get lots of targets hawkinson and swift are perfectly fine players to take in fantasy um but the main thing is that this team sucks and it's boring and as a lions fan that's unacceptable it's okay to suck but you have to have barriers. You have to Calvin. You can't suck and be boring. That's that's not okay. And that's what's going to happen here. So personally, I want them to go one in sixteen and lock in the first overall pick. The that name is uh, backing up to the name of that receiver. He's never going to find his cup with a name on it at the mall ever. That's never going to happen for that guy. No, no. So his so Ahmed Ross St. Brown is the youngest of three brothers. The oldest is Equinemius St. Brown, who plays for the Packers. Oh, the middle brother is Osiris St. Brown. Um, what, the Egyptian? No, 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 no. Uh, this is actually this is actually incredible. So for the listeners out there, go look up Amon Ross St. Brown, dad, former like Mr. Olympia bodybuilder type guy. Like, <laughs> okay. get, like yeah, but also his, his last name isn't St. Brown. It's just Brown. The saint is just added to the kids to make it sound better. <laughs> so great. All yeah, the Lions. So, this, this is great. This is great. Yeah. So two two of the St. Browns play in the division because the Packers have Equinemius St. Brown on the roster. Um, but yeah, so I want this team to go one and sixteen to lock in the first overall pick. So when I it seems like I'm obnoxiously rooting against my team during the season, I'm only rooting against them this year, so that in three years the new coach can come in with the first overall pick from next year, probably Spencer Rattler, and then take over and do something good. I only have two observations about the Lions. First of all, uh, Man Campbell, as I as I like to call him. Um, <laughs> He told his players that he wasn't going to wipe their asses, which is fine because the rest of the league is going to wipe his ass uh, with the play on the field. And second, listening to Dave list off all of the offensive quote-unquote weapons for the Lions, I just have one thing, and it's Jared Goff is so fucked. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> excuse me. One of the good th- one of the good things that Goff does have going for him is that he can't throw the ball downfield, and his two best pass catchers are a running back and a tight end, so they'll be pretty close to the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I think that, I mean, we really could see DeAndre Swift catch 80 passes this year and be like a top 12 fantasy running back. And TJ Hawkinson is actually developing into a really good tight end who has the potential to join the Kelsey Waller Kittle uh, tier of fantasy tight ends this season. So there are, this is because we're going to be losing so much. And both these players rely on their pass catching. So for fantasy purposes, they could be good, even though their teams are just absolute, absolute garbage. Cleve, what do you think about the Lions? Honestly, man, I actually think you guys are going to win seven games. And so, again, roll tape. Roll tape for me, uh, Matt, when you, when this happens. I think you guys are going to win seven games. We're probably going to win four. So I think we're going to we're gonna increase our win total. <laughs> But you guys will will as well. I uh, actually think Jared Goff, and I know I took shots at him last year when we did the whole starter, not starter, and, you know, whatever. I actually think Jared Goff will be fine. Um, and you guys might surprise a couple people. So I'm, I'm, I'm going with that. You think the Lions are going to win two games more than their than their Vegas win total line? That, that yes. You should, that should be a significant bet that you're willing to make then because you have so much wiggle room, right? Because you can we'll win bet some sessions. Yeah, we'll bet some sessions. How about that? Oh no! Oh no! I'm not betting. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not betting on the Lions to do to do poorly, even though I want this year. But um, I, I mean, like you should create a DraftKings account and put a little bit of money on them on their over at five if you think they're going to win seven. I might just do that. I might just they do did. that and share they, and share with our audience. Uh, Matt, I'm not at a computer right now. Is there any chance you could pull up the Lions schedule real quick and Cleve can point out these seven wins for us? As a matter of fact, I, I have it in front of me already. On cue, um, there we go. Yeah, of course. Let's do I it. I couldn't help it. I Just for the listener's edification, I nearly shat myself laughing when Cleveland said, I think the Lions are going to win seven games. That might be the prediction of the fucking century. Let's go. 
All right, no. Cleve. Okay, so opening the season, they get uh, San Francisco. Win. Oh, come on. Um, okay. dude, dude, this is li- this is live. So, yeah, just mark it down, and you guys take a victory lap on me. Yeah, you know, don't forget September to say 9th. Where, where, where the game is, but that game is in Detroit. It's in Detroit. Okay, then they travel to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Loss. Then they play the Ravens at home. Loss. Then they travel to Chicago. Win. Then they travel to Minnesota. Win. And they play the the Bengals. Win. And then they travel to the Rams. Uh, who's who's the Rams me? quarterback? Stafford. Matt, Matt Stafford's yeah, yeah. gonna throw for yeah. like a billion yards against that gonna franchise. Be, yeah, yeah that's a loss. I'm, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a revenge game. I'm going revenge to, game. I'm going to that game in LA, and I still want the Lions to lose that game. So, <laughs> all right. You gotta, so you got to contact us when you're out there, dude. Before the bye week, they round out with a home game against Philadelphia. Philly, I think that 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 could be a win. Dave, are you writing this down? Because I haven't been keeping track of the win loss record. No, yeah, I we, am. I got it. Okay, got it. Yeah. all right, cool. All right. After the bye week, they travel to Pittsburgh. Judging on what you guys said, that might be a win. Then they travel to Cleveland. Loss. Then they play Chicago at home. That's that's their seventh win. Then they play Minnesota at home. And that might be a loss because they might be figured out by then. They travel <laughs> to Ar- by then. They travel to Arizona after that. That's a loss. And that, I mean, I'm sorry. They play Arizona at home. I'm excuse excuse me, but either way, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Yeah. Matter. <laughs> uh, then they travel to Atlanta. Loss. Then they travel to Seattle. They have a gauntlet at the that, end of the season. Travel to that's Seattle. a lot. That's a lot. They've already got their seven already. So I don't know. Like, you could no, no. The, po- the point is, the point is that you think they're going to win like ten games. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. No. The last game is uh, against Green Bay. When Green Bay may or may not have locked up a playoff spot by then, we have no idea. That's a loss. Okay. So either way, I'm. Uh, you know what, Cleve? If this happens, I am. I, I'm. I'm on your team. I'm just uh, incredibly amazed that you were able to pick out i so when i did this i i kind of looked at winnable games split in the division toss-up games and outright losses and under the winnable column i have none for the lions you, you think they're going to go 0 and 16 oh no 17? i mean like games that games that are obvious wins games that they oh, should obviously dude. be able to win i have none dude against jimmy g or a rookie that's that could be a win the 49ers are going to beat the detroit lions by 21 points and that's if jimmy right. g plays that's if Jimmy right. G plays. Like, I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fan dueling. I'm fan dueling. So we'll the, see. Abso- the absolute hand blasting the Lions about to receive a week one this year from the 49ers is going to be epic. Like, believe, it's, it's going to be entertaining to watch. What Dave said last week was start Trey Lance. They're playing the Lions week one. Quote, it's not going to get any easier. End quote. Right. But, it, but, it, okay. Remember, yeah. I, said be, this, bro. I, Remember I said this, bro. I can't wait. I can't wait for this. week week two show when I have to go find the clip. And the Detroit Lions have defeated the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, and, and you know what? If they win 10 games, then Dave's got to get a, a lion tattoo on back shoulder. And we've got to do it live. So here, <laughs> but last 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 thing last thing on the Lions here, though, because this is way too much time for teams we picked in the top three next year. Leave the way you did the schedule game, though. Like, I noticed that because you said seven, you had to stop at seven. But some of the games you said they'd win implies that they should win some of the other games coming up, which is sort of the point. Like, if you think they could win seven, you should, like, make a bet like Lions to make the playoffs. Because if they're good enough to win seven on this schedule, they're actually probably good enough to win ten. And everybody's missing on them by a big margin. They're not missing by two games. They're missing by five games. And this is like a ten and seventeen. But that's not the case. The case is is that you're off by five games. This is a two and fifteen team. Yep. All right. Move, moving yep. right along. Moving right along. We have the uh, third place team in the division, the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears last year went eight and eight somehow. It's amazing. And the win total this year is seven. So they are expected to take a step back. And that's not shocking because uh, the head coach and the GM, their jobs are on the line this year. If they do not get it done this year, and by it done, I mean probably make the playoffs, they're probably getting fired. Um, and so in order to achieve this goal, they went out and they signed Andy Dalton to be their QB1. How long is this guy going to be in the league? Uh, he's going to be in the league for one more year. 
Uh, he's going to be starting for three games. Whatever. The first time the Bears play the Lions is, I think, is when Fields comes in. If he doesn't come in any, any sooner than that, and mm-hmm. they also, like I said, they traded up to eleven to draft Justin Fields. Uh, they made a trade with Dave Gettleman, so Dave Gettleman actually made a good trade here, trading down. Good job, Dave Gettleman. I want to get that on the record. Please come on the show. Um, <laughs> uh, and they trade up for Justin Fields, who the Lions passed on and the Broncos passed on. I think this is going to be a smash hit. Uh, as far as offensive players go, they have Allen Robinson, who's probably in his last year with the team. But Justin Fields will be the best quarterback he has played with since getting to college because he played with Christian Hackenberg in college and then trash in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky is probably his best NFL quarterback or Blake Bortles. So now he gets Justin Fields. Darnell Mooney was a fifth round pick out of Tulane last season. And he was one of those guys where like if they had a full scouting season. He would have gone a lot higher. So we're going to be talking about Darnell Mooney a lot when he starts making plays. He's not a dust ball. David mm. Montgomery, the running back, is a dust ball, but he's going to get a billion carries because he's the only one really there. Khalil Mack, defense, Khalil Mack, I actually think is over the hill. I think, Really? Yeah, I think that he's still going to be a very good player. He's still a very solid NFL player, but I do not think he is the game wrecker that we are that we are used to. I think he's actually he's actually past, past this prime, and we're going to see that this year. And then finally mm. for the Bears, the tight end Cole Komet, he was a second round pick in 2020, but he was the first tight end drafted in that draft class. And he sort of flashed towards the end of the season. Jimmy Graham is still on the roster and will probably start the wow. season as a starting tight end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Graham had like seven touchdowns last year. But I think by the end of the season, Cole Komet will have taken over. And there's a chance that Komet could break out into being like a top 10 tight end by the by the end of the season. Um yeah, I don't think this team is going to make the playoffs this year. I think they're going to burn a couple games starting Andy Dalton, and I think it is going to cost the coach and the GM their jobs, but I think that they are pretty well set up going forward because I think Justin Fields is the truth. We'll see. We will see. I mean, they have a tough schedule this year. I had them in the same place for a lot of the same reasons, but they have um, at the Rams, they play at Cleveland, they play Green Bay twice, they play the Bucks. they play the 49ers, they play the Ravens. Uh, and they play the Seahawks, so they've got a they've got a pretty tough sled this year. Yes, but the thing is, the entire NFC North has a tough sled because we have to play the NFC West and the AFC North. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying, like so, you talk about Andy Dalton or a rookie quarterback on a coach that is on his you know on the hot seat. It's a lot to ask. And by the way, if the Bears are also at the Rams, that's bad news for the Rams because that means they get the Lions and Bears at home, but the Vikings and Packers on the road. Yep. So that might that might be an important thing to consider when predicting the NFC West. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the Bears. They're, they're, this is very much a wait-and-see team because we have to wait and see what they're going to look like with Justin Fields. If they try to run out Andy Dalton for seven games, they're going to look just like last last year, which was terrible. So it's about getting Fields in there and seeing how good Fields is. And the thing is, if Justin Fields is as good as Justin Herbert, they could win double-digit games this year. We just really have to see what them. By the, but like by the time the playoffs come around, like the Bears are in the playoffs could be an obvious thing with their obvious NFL Rookie of the Year quarterback. So it'll be very interesting. Well, they are mm. coached by a guy who will do a halfback dive with five seconds left in the first half. So there you go. Yeah, that guy's now the Lions offensive coordinator. That's correct. And he's and he's <laughs> going to lead the Lions. He's going to lead the Lions to seven wins with Jared Goff, according I, to uh, I was going to ask I, how I was <laughs> feeling about that prediction, knowing this now. I got nothing. I got nothing. Gonna be, I got nothing. Gonna, they're going to be using Jared Goff with their goal line fades to Brashad Perriman, and Kaleem's on uh, here for seven wins. Oh, man, dude. You watch, guys. You watch. I, I'm, dude, oh, you watch. Oh, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Don't <laughs> Okay, so moving on from the Bears, we have to wait and see with them. We have the second-place team in the NFC North, and that is the Green Bay Packers. Last year, the Packers went 13-3. and This year, their win total is 10 and a half. Now, that was their opening total, so it was back. This The total came out before we knew Rodgers was coming back for certain. Now that Rodgers is coming back, their win total is 10 and a half. Okay. That means that, means that the people who made the line assumed Rodgers was coming back the entire time. So, they expect, so the team is expected to take a pretty big step back, and I can really see it because this team, you know, we talk about the Titans being one-dimensional, and we talk about the Ravens being one-dimensional. The... Packers are one-dimensional in that they don't really have any depth. So Aaron Rodgers is a first battle Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, one of the best quarterbacks, in my opinion, to ever play the game. So that's a fantastic thing to have. 
Then you have Devontae Adams, who is one of the top three wide receivers in the game and is a perfect fit for Aaron Rodgers. Then you have Aaron Jones at running back, who is great at taking advantage of the skills of the other two players and puts up good numbers. And that's kind of it. There isn't much beyond that. A team, If the team could take away Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones or keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket, like the best teams are going to be hard for Green Bay to beat. And so that's why I think that they're looking to take a step back this year. So I think that they are leaps and bounds better than the Lions. And they're still slightly better than the Bears. But they aren't as good as they were last year. Honestly, last year they weren't as good as they were last year. And so guys, the other... Oh, sorry. One, one last sorry. thing. The Rod, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are referring to this, to this season as their last dance. And I don't think that's as a motivating for a football team as they think that it is. Because, like, for the other 51 players... They don't really want to, right? They're not like, oh, this team is going to suck after this year. Yeah, that's really buck up here. Like, I don't. This isn't basketball. I don't think that's that's going to work. Anyways, go ahead, please. Well, I was kind of going to segue to that to that in in that regard. So there were rumblings about Devontae, like he's not happy. Well, he said he's out. He's outplayed his contract, outperformed it, which we saw that he did because he was the target share guy for the entire season. Um. Knowing that he knows that Rogers not probably going to be there next year, uh, and he wants his money, or needs to talk talk about his money now. What do you guys think? You think Aaron's going to campaign for him to go wherever Aaron's going to go, or get out, or he's going to say, "Hey, I'll get you your money, and then I'm I'm out of here." What, uh, what do you think is going to happen here? I don't think Aaron Rodgers cares where Devontae Adams goes next year, or cares he get his cares that he gets paid. Oh, I'm sure he cares that he gets paid. I'm sure I'm sure they get along just fine. But I don't think that Aaron Rodgers cares if Devontae Adams follows him. Aaron Rodgers is going to go to a ready-built team, ready to win with weapons already. He's not going to need to add Devontae Adams to the thing. Also, Aaron Rodgers is going to cost so much money. Trying to add both of them is going to be impossible. So if Adams yeah. wants to get paid, his best bet is to get paid by Green Bay right now, try to win a Super Bowl this year, and then just play for the Jags, like but the new Jags starting next year, win four mm-hmm. games a year, but make $30 million. You know, yeah. that's probably his best, his best bet. Dave, it's funny you mentioned the 10 and a half wins because I had the Packers maxing out at either 10 wins or if they're lucky, 11 wins. So I feel good. I was right in that 10 and a half <laughs> wheelhouse. But I was in a weird spot with them because, as we pointed out, their schedule is tough. Their schedule is really tough. And last year, they played, in my mind, over what their schedule was. I mean, you saw that they could be one-dimensional when they had a hard time with the Jags. Um, and and, you know there are there are signs of this and I also wonder too all of the extracurricular activities that took place in the offseason winning cures a lot of that but their schedule to you know just to point it out I mean they start at New Orleans we're not really sure what New Orleans is and then they get Detroit and that's all well and good Uh, but then you know you have to play at Chicago you play the Washington football team they're at Kansas City they play the Seahawks they play the Rams right like they're at Baltimore, they play Cleveland. There's a lot of really losable games for them. And it, I mean, 10 and seven may get them in the playoffs in the NFC, but that's the thing about this year too, is like the extra game, that adds another game in which some team can randomly stumble, right? Because yeah. you just have it. And then of course, not every team gets a home game as that extra 17th game. And for some of these teams, you get an extra home game that could be advantageous, especially late in the season for a team like Green Bay. But I'm glad yeah. to know that I'm not that far off from Vegas with 10 wins, maybe 11, maybe. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right on the line there. And I think that the Packers this year are the exact type of team to lose a lot of their toss-up games, right? I just, I don't, there's nothing about them that's overly impressive aside from like the two pieces of the team that are super impressive, but the like their defense is whatever, Right. Their other receivers, like they had to re-sign Randall Cobb to make Aaron Rodgers happy. I mean, Randall Cobb is is <laughs> way beyond way beyond useful. Um, you know, I just I'm not impressed with uh with this with this team with this team at all. And that's why I think that starting next year, once Rodgers leaves, because here's the thing, I think that their coach, Matt LaFleur, is a secret moron. Like, he's won 13 games his first, like, two years in a row to start his coaching career. But I actually think he's dumb, and he's not that good. And, like, sort of the Mike McCarthy sort of thing, to where Aaron Rodgers is actually carrying him, too. And if if the Packers had—if if Mike Tomlin coached the Packers, they'd win, like, 15 games this year. 
but like <laughs> the coach actually isn't good and Rodgers has to try to carry them through all this again and I think that starting next season we're going to finally start to see a run where the Packers are terrible for at least a decade like mm. picking to the top five over and over like the way we think about Jacksonville the way we used to think about Cleveland you know that is how we're going to see Green Bay they're going to draft the 2026 Johnny Manziel you know they're going to make the terrible free agent signings they've been propped up by two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back for 30 years I think that the the organization is terrible I think the coach is terrible I think the front office is terrible and they're not going to have these quarterbacks propping them up and I cannot wait they're going to suck for years after this season perfect segue to your first place team which I have to by the process of elimination would be the Minnesota Vikings yes that is correct the first place team that I have is the Minnesota Vikings now this prediction is a little bit flimsy because the Vikings are the team most likely to have to forfeit games because of COVID Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Atlanta Falcons just uh, tweeted out they have a 100% vaccination rate amongst their players. At last check, the Vikings were at 65%. That is not good enough. Like is, that is, is, you can get is, an outbreak where you can't play, and then now you have to forfeit games. And the Packers are not so bad that the Vikings can afford to be forfeiting games and win this division. Um, is, is that is that so? Is Cousins vaccinated or no? No, absolutely not. Um, and he said that instead of him getting vaccinated, that they should put plexiglass around him in meetings. I remember, I remember hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, guys, for laughing. What a fucking moron. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? Yeah. Also, I was I was talking to my boy Ben, uh, uh, Sparty Ben, off uh, offline, and we came to the determination that Kirk Cousins and Mike Pence are the same person. Just different generations. <laughs> Jeez, you know it's, I don't know, you know it's bad when it's guys. You know it's bad when a children's hospital says, "Now nah, we're good." Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, so, I can see the Vikings. I guess I don't yes. know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of up in the air about them. I know they have Jefferson. <laughs> Obviously, they have Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins is more than serviceable. I guess I don't know enough about them to know that they would be better than a ten-win ceiling. So here's so here's the difference is that last year the vikings went seven and nine this year their win total is eight and a half this means that they're expected to be better than last year whereas the Packers expected to be worse than next than last year so when i look at this i see well what if the vikings are a little bit better than they're expected to improve and the packers are a little bit worse than they're expected to to devolve i guess and so the vikings last year were not terrible at seven and nine and delvin cook is amazing like, he is a fantastic running back, out of the backfield, running the ball, just absolutely great. Justin Jefferson, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he's only going to continue to get better. Kirk Cousins is fine. I mean, he's he's fine. Uh, he's an idiot who needs to get vaccinated, but he's, he's fine at playing quarterback. And then I think Adam Thielen has one more really good season in him as well. Yeah. Because yeah. last yeah. year, Cleve, Adam Thielen had 74 receptions. 74 total catches. How many touchdowns do you think he scored? 14? 13. 13. So, oh, like, no, so, like, so, like, so like one in five catches was a touchdown last year for, <laughs> for Adam Thielen. <laughs> uh, that, is not, that is not going to continue to happen. But they also got a lot better on defense. You know, they added a bunch of dudes who are between like 79 and 82 on Madden. But they added like eight of them onto 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 their team. And they add, they improved the offensive line through, through the draft. So... You know, they made the right improvements. I'm taking them to win the division. If This is very much like Cleveland and Baltimore. If somebody said they wanted to take the Packers to win the division, I'm not going to argue with them. Like, I think they're going to finish very close in, ter- in terms of record. But I see the Packers on the decline, and the Vikings are getting better this year. And the other thing is that just like with Green Bay, this is also a last dance for this Minnesota team because Kirk Cousins will not be the quarterback next year. The contract situation that sort of thing like he's done there after this season so like they have that same sort of push like this is our last chance with the guy that's our quarterback sort sort of deal i'm taking the vikings to win the division this year i am not going to be shocked if the packers win the division but i think that the vikings just have a little bit i think they're a little bit more talented rogers is by far the best player between these two teams without without question 
but I think in general, I think the Vikings are a little bit more talented. I think a little bit better constructed. I think Mike Zimmer is a better coach. And I think that barring having to forfeit games for COVID, that they're that they're going to win this division. Okay. Well said, Dave. And I, I will be perfectly honest with you. When you said I was talking to my boy Ben, I thought you were going to say Ben DiNucci of the Dallas Cowboys. And I was going to ask why he wasn't on the show. But since we only got a couple minutes left, uh, I do have a bit of positive news, fellas. I watched okay. Hard Knocks. Okay. Yes. Okay. I watched Hard <laughs> yes. Knocks. And my positive story for the week is this. Every man listening to this at some point in their lifetime has attempted to wrap a present. And most of us have no clue what we're doing. It's the strangest thing that we are not good at. We can lift up cars. We can you know, rescue people from burning buildings. But if gun to my head, I had to wrap a present perfectly for somebody, I'd be dead. <laughs> and it's great to know that somebody who has so talented at something as Zeke Elliott, he also doesn't know how to wrap a present. And until he did so on the episode of Hard Knocks, had never ever in his life attempted the rapper present and his attempt was so hilariously bad i felt better about myself by extension <laughs> yeah zeke zeke wraps presents the way that he pushes away from the table which is to say he doesn't he's he's not very good at it um yeah cleave just so you the, know there were two large sheets of wrapping paper involved in this and it wasn't really oh that God. large of a box so whoa there also might have been a YouTube video involved as well. But wow. here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Zeke is not the best running back in the Cowboys. Tony Pollard is. So maybe Tony Pollard knows how to wrap presents. Maybe he does, but he's also not the best friend of... The other thing I took away from that too, speaking of the best friend of Dak, is they exchanged birthday gifts for the first time. And I think they asked Zeke, what did Dak get you? And he's like, oh, uh, a diamond bracelet. And I was like, huh, okay. And then... Uh, Zeke got Dak like a $6,000 suitcase. And he's like, this is a good travel bag. And I'm like, oh, then I, <laughs> and I just immediately thought to myself, can you imagine what it would be like to be them where for somebody's birthday, somebody's birthday, like 28, not even a milestone year. They're like, yeah, go ahead and grab that 10 K bag. Cause he's going to need a travel bag for the season. Oh man. It's great. Living his best just, life. Yeah, so I, I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, other observations that I made was uh, Jerry Jones is creepy as fuck. Um, just just my observation. Like, uh, I looked at myself and I was like, he could be the walking dead. I, I mean, he looks that yeah, old now. Looks, yeah, he looks I, bad. I, 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 like, if we had done a, a, a Me Too uh, pool, I would have taken Jerry Jones very high. I'm shocked that yeah, he's yeah. I mean, oh, he nobody pays. said he anything. Pays. So so like so like like I'm I'm not even alleging anything. I'm just shocked that like five years after the Me Too movement has started, Jerry Jones doesn't have a couple. You know what I mean? Like doesn't like doesn't he seem like he'd have like, like some old nineteen seventies being like massages oh, yeah. or something? Oh um, yeah. But but he 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 doesn't I guess. But yeah, Jerry Jones creepy confirmed. Yep, creepy confirmed. And also, if you want to know what the definition of fuck you money is, uh, look at Jerry Jones because he has enough money to supply his players with their own townhomes during camp. So there's that. Uh, Jeez, gentlemen, nice. Uh, hope, we hope you all enjoyed the the divisional previews for the, the North. Uh, I had a good time, and Dave and I are pretty much right in lockstep. And uh, we will be watching the Detroit Lions this year to see if they win seven games. Lions so, watch. Yeah, there you go. Cleve is going to become I'm a Lions a fan. I'm getting a whiteboard. I'm getting a whiteboard, dude. Which... <laughs> Which tells me that we need to to Bill O'Reilly that shit and fuck it, we'll do it live. So, gentlemen, I uh, appreciate your time this week, and uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. All right, peace, ladies. Peace. All Sounds right. Good. See you. The opinions and views expressed on political football are that of Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice, and not necessarily those of Matty Ice Media. Political football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice, and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.